Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's give the Lord away before you see. Let's stand back up. It's been a sports weekend. Some of you, I don't know what the scores were, don't really care about Clemson or Carolina. But how about those who worship the Lord Jesus Christ? We celebrate Team Jesus. Let's give him praise this morning. He's worthy of honor and glory. He's worthy. Well, you may be seated. Let's take a copy of God's Holy Word. And if you don't have a copy, one's provided for you there in the seat. And we want to encourage you to turn to John chapter 3. We're going to see ourselves today in the Scripture. You say, well, how am I going to see myself? My name's not in the Scriptures. I used to tell God that on a regular basis. When I would, somebody, an old preacher would tell me, just find God's will in the Bible. And I'm like, I haven't found one Clint Smith in the Bible. There's some Johns and some James, some Matthews, but I haven't found a Clint yet. And uh, he said, just keep looking. And as you look, after you get your Bible turned to John chapter 3, it's not a commercial, but I want to invite you to grow in your discipleship. Sunday evenings at 5, we'll start tonight. Kingdom Disciples, if you actually don't have a book, you can order a book. It's a little bit late. We have to, you'll probably miss a week. There's daily devotions in this book, but also we'll be following for six weeks. Dr. Tony Evans will be preaching on the screen. Obviously, he's, he's been recorded, so uh, we'd love to have him live. Maybe one day God will bless us that way. But get a copy of the book. If you work shift work, you can't be every Sunday evening. I want to encourage you to stay with us. We can show the videos. We have them downloaded. <clears throat> you can actually see videos uh, after we go through. So we have the DVDs, but also the videos on download. Wednesday nights, we're doing Teach Me How to Pray, like, right? Teach Us How to Pray. It's something we've created in-house. We're taking scripture. What is prayer? How many of you actually were ever taught how to pray? Somebody set you down, spent a period of time with you, and they taught you how to pray. Anyone? Go ahead and raise your hand high so we can see. They taught you how to pray. Most people in the Christian faith were never taught how to pray. So that begs the question, what's the most unoccupied time of the week in a Baptist church? Prayer meeting. If you don't know how to do it, guess what you do? You don't come because the football game's on or something else is occupying your time because if you don't know how to pray, you won't understand the importance of prayer and you'll just won't feel, figure you're not missing anything. But when you're not talking with God, are you missing anything? Yes. If you're not having a daily, an hourly, or moment by moment, the Bible says pray without ceasing. How do we do that? It's simply by being part of God's family and spending, willfully spending time with him. But if you were never taught how to pray, you're invited on Wednesday evenings. If you say, well, I can't be here Wednesday, but I'd like to have a copy of that, write on the Connect card, hey, I'd like to have a copy of the notes. Week by week, we won't get you ahead or behind We'll send you the notes. Can't send you the notes on the book because that's copyrighted material, Dr. Evans' ministry, but we can send you the material that we're creating in-house. We're going to look at characters in the Bible. We're going to look at how they prayed, what was the situation in their life, why were they praying, and we're going to see how God answered those prayers. All right? John chapter 3 will begin today. We're going to read a lot of scripture, so stay with me. If you're taking notes, it's important. This is good stuff today. If you missed Bible study this morning, guess what? You missed it, and I'm having trouble breathing. After COVID, it did something to my lungs. So this morning, if you see me breathing hard into the microphone, just pray for me, okay? I'll keep trying to push through. If I pass out, Derek's going to finish the message, or Adrian. So just, uh, if Derek does, he'll finish on time. If Adrian does, it'll be 2 or 3 o'clock. But y'all just, just stand by, so let's get going. Let's dive into the Word of God. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, or teacher, we know that you are a teacher who come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Let me stop there for a second because we won't get all the scripture read. 
Why did he call him rabbi? That's the Jewish term for teacher. And what did rabbis teach? Rabbis would teach the things of God. That's what a rabbi would teach, among other practical things, but mainly they would teach the words of God. They would go and get the scrolls and explain Isaiah, the prophets. They would explain different things. And what was a rabbi's primary teach, teaching? What would they teach all Jewish boys, and, and the girls would learn at home as well, what would they be taught? One thing we know they will be taught because what time, let me back up. So let me give you the cheat sheet, okay? Because some of you are going, what, is this a trick question? Not trying to be a trick question. We want you to know the word of God. Back up into verse chapter 2, verses 23, 24, and 25. See if you find out this. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the what? Passover. So every boy and girl would learn about the Passover. Would every rabbi teach about the Passover of the past? Every time the ceremony happens, they would say, listen, children, we want you to know that, that's not in the scripture for this, we want you to know that the children, right, of Israel, or the people, our, our forefathers, were enslaved in Egypt. And God brought about these plagues. He brought a man named Moses. And Moses would come, and he, would, he was basically in Pharaoh's house, but he killed one of the Egyptians. He ran away. He spent 40 years in the desert. And he was actually God's man to go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. They were my people. And as he would go, he would do these plagues, would do these miraculous signs. And then we know that happens 10 times. We go back and look at Exodus and Numbers. We go back and see. So they would have known the history. Would you agree? And a rabbi, if he's a proper rabbi sent from God, would he teach the biblical godly history? Come on, y'all. You go teach the children and you pick up your own copy of uh, Let's Just Let It Rain by Noah. The gospel of, of, of whatever. You better be taking the authoritative source, which is the holy word of God. We have nothing to say in and of ourselves. These people, many people read John uh, chapter 3 and say, well, why did he come at night? Is that the emphasis of this passage, that he came at night? It could be very well that he worked all day. When do you have time if you work a first shift job? When's your free time? At night, when do you do stuff around the house, on the weekends, when you have the free time? Who cares if it was at night? That's not the point of the passage. But he did come at night, maybe under the cloak of darkness, who knows? So no one would see him. But he speaks for someone. It's at the Passover time, and good rabbis would have taught Moses, and because they revere Moses even to this day, and how God brought them out. What brought them out? To understand the Passover. We talked about it last week. What was the family to do? Kill a perfect lamb. Put his blood over the door. Eat it. They had, to, uh, they had to cook it and eat it with bitter herbs. And they had to get ready to go. That, they had to, it was a preparation that God was about to do something miraculous. That he was going to send, if you would, Moses was going to be their savior. That's why people revere, the Jews still revere Moses today because he brought them out of slavery from Egypt to the promised land, or he didn't make it to the promised land. If you read the rest of the story, he disobeys God and sins. He doesn't get to go in himself. All that work he did, let that be a note to us as well. Finish well. Amen? As we get older, Moses didn't finish well. He lost his temper. You ever do that? He lost his temper at God's people. I've been in ministry 20 plus years, and I'm telling you, that's easy to do. Because you think the people you invested the most in and they turn their backs on you or try to hurt you, you go, Lord, come on now. And the Lord says, what would you do to me, right? Y'all know how you sinned against God? The Lord keeps counting. He knows our hearts. Watch what we did with these folks so we can go, 
What was the Passover a picture of? Come on, think about it. I want you to think this morning, this sermon, if you come to a Bible study, you should know this. The Passover was a picture of the coming Savior. You've got to kill sheep right now, offer them a sacrifice for the covering of your sins, but there's the Lamb of God coming one day, the Messiah. He's going to die for your sins, and he will take away the sins of the world. All, everybody, anywhere who put their faith and trust in him. That's why your Bible has an Old Testament. That's the Old Covenant. That's God's commitment with the children of Israel, the old way of doing things, cover the sin. Then we have the New Testament. We see a little bit of the Old Testament bleed in, and now we have a New Testament where Jesus Christ, and most churches have a cross. He's not on the cross anymore, so if you wear a crucifix with Jesus on that, chunk it, don't wear it, because he's not on the cross anymore. He, was, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. So the Passover was, there's a story that's happened in our history, but there's a coming day that the Messiah is coming. Every good, godly rabbi would teach that. You need to know, we're looking out for the rabbis. Where is he? Well, rabbi, rabbi, whomever, Smith, Bernard, rabbi, where is he? He's coming, children, just keep watching. God's going to send a Messiah. He's coming. Well, where, where's he coming from? Let's see what the prophet said. The prophet said he's coming from where? Where would he be born? Bethlehem. But also the prophet said he'd be coming from Nazareth. They also said he'd be coming up out of Egypt. You've called my son. How do you reconcile that he could come from three different places or more? And he's coming from heaven. We don't know. We just say he is, right? A, te- a good teacher says by faith we trust God. How, does you, how do you hit a rock and out comes water? How do you command a rock and out comes water? Never quite understood. I've, saw, I've been in the mountains in the Blue Ridge, but when you travel to Kentucky, where Bowen was in university up there, water comes out of the rocks when you go through those that country. So when you're out on the interstate, there's literally water coming out of the rock, and I'm like, oh, it's not hard to believe anymore. I had to believe by faith because I saw it trickle down off the rain. But in Kentucky, man, it comes out of those, those old coal hills. The water comes out, and it, and it shoots out in some places. Like it, there's a gutter, but it's coming out of the rock. So how did God do it? It still was by faith. You have to trust him. All right, so a good rabbi, a godly rabbi would teach the past. He would be teaching in the present that the Messiah is coming. That was the whole purpose of the Jewish faith, looking for the coming Messiah. Who are the Jews looking for today? The Messiah, those of that haven't accepted Jesus. Well, here's my question, because church members, some of y'all, we all, I've been here for 21 years. I sat in a church, heard the truth, knew the truth, but never acted on the truth because the Holy Spirit, I always resisted him because I was that young man. I was that kid. I was always distracted because I didn't want to do the stuff in this world. I wanted to do that stuff. And I wanted to go out there and do that, whatever that was. And I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do, so I joined the Navy, right? That's what I've told you before. I had everybody telling me what to do then. It just it never ended. Didn't like that. I had to get my time through. But I was always one who would finish. I'm going to finish this even if I don't like it. So the rabbi, when they come to him and call him rabbi, we know that you're from God. He's calling you, Jesus, a godly teacher. Meaning, we're at the Passover, and we can't help but think that Jesus, we're not there, was teaching at Passover. But what did Jesus do to the temple? He tears it apart, right? He's going to cleanse the temple from money changers and thieves that are in there to make a buck and under the people of God and people that were traveling. So we see this of Jesus and then Nicodemus incriminates the whole Sanhedrin. All the Pharisees, all the Sadducees, the men who opposed him, he says this, look at your word. The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, 
We know that you are from. We know that you are a teacher, come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Go back up to verse twenty-three. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in him. Why? When they saw the signs or the miracles which he did. The only reason they wanted a part of Jesus was because they wanted to be around more signs and miracles. This is the Messiah. This is the guy. Remember what Nathaniel said and what Philip said, what Peter and Andrew said? Come and see. We have found the Messiah that Moses spoke about. Well, they never spoke to Moses. Moses has been dead for a long, long time. How would they know? Their daddies, their mothers, and their teachers would teach them, hey, listen, just as Moses led us out of captivity, now the Messiah is coming one day to lead us freedom to God. We're going to be free people. We're going to be under one kingdom, and we can't wait for that day. But as time went on, like it does today, you start hearing and going, I've heard this my whole life. Peter said that's going to happen in the last days. People say, I've been hearing Jesus is coming for the longest of time. Does anyone sing, we wish you a Merry Christmas? Anyone? It's your family. We wish you a Merry Let's do it together. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Come on, help me. We wish you a Merry Why? Stop, why? Because Jesus came the first time just like he said. Amen? That can be a place for an amen right there. The reason we sing Christmas songs is because the Christ of Christmas came just like he said he was coming through the prophets. He's been here before. Well, he made this place first, right? He created it. But he's been here on earth for 33 or so years. He walked this planet for three years. He had this ministry. We're in the middle of his ministry, so that's why we sing Christmas songs. Do they sing Christmas songs in China? Yes. I've been in an airport in Kuming, China, in the middle of China with Santa Claus, a big fat Santa Claus riding on a sleigh. And it says, Merry Christmas. They have no idea what it says, but it says Merry Christmas. There's Christians there that know that Jesus came to this earth. In Kenya and Africa, do they sing, we wish you a Merry Christmas? Yes, it sounds different. It's in a different language, Swahili or whatever the tribal language is. And do they talk about Christmas in Spain? The answer is, Yes, I've been there. They do. Germany? Yes, I've been there. France? Around the world, you'll find the story of Christmas. Why? Because Jesus came to this earth to save sinners of which we're chief, right? Amen? You? Me? Some of you go, I'm not that bad. You need to check up. Don't compare yourself to me. Compare yourself to holy God. Then you'll find out how rotten you are. We talked about it in Bible class how it used to say amazing grace, you say, oh, what a worm I am. People understood back in the day, we could barely equate to God like a worm does to us. Dragging belly on the ground because we're no good. And today we've become sophisticated. We're good, right? I'm just a wretch. And a wretch is a bad person, but not that bad. Amazing grace. Let's just sing it every football game. When someone dies, play amazing grace. Right? And now we want to change the word and say, well, we're not that bad. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Sin compared to God, you'll find out who you are when you read the holy word of God, the authoritative source, and find out what God thinks about sin. Now, where does that come from? Today's sermon title is Escaping Kingdom Condemnation. Some people say, I don't believe in a God who would send people to hell. You don't believe in God of the Bible. That's easy. You say, well, I don't want God to condemn me. He gives you a way out. We're going to see Nicodemus. He gives him the avenue by which we will not be condemned. He said, what is the kingdom of God? I believe he's talking specifically about the thousand-year reign of Christ in the future. 
But even if he's talking about heaven, I got it all wrong. You're still not going to go if you're condemned. You ever been condemned? Guilty as charged? I have. You have. Watch what the word says. Nicodemus says, we know that you're from God. You're a godly teacher. We know that you're teaching the right things. We know that you're doing miraculous signs. And Jesus said, well, thank you, Nicodemus. That's so nice of you to say that. Is that what he says? You would think Jesus, God, would say, well, at least with a common courtesy would be. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you can't see the kingdom of God, guess where you are? You're in hell. You say, Pastor, I don't like that. You take it up with Jesus. He said, you will not see the kingdom of God. And he also says, you will not enter the kingdom of God. What? So we'll keep reading. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I'm supposed to be sophisticated here and say that was a theological deep question. Where I'm from, that's called a dumb question. Why would you ask can a grown man go back into his five foot two mama? That's a dipstick question where I'm from. I mean, you, just, you just push it like, man, I can't believe you would even ask. He asked God that question. Some people say, well, he was intellectual and he was just trying to get clarity. No, I don't believe he was. You won't ask that question. Have y'all seen my mother? Imagine me, five foot ten, asking Jesus if I can go back inside my mother. I'm five ten, she's five, whatever, some change. That's a dumb question. Would you agree? That's what people are doing today that don't want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Nicodemus already incriminated himself and said, listen, we know that you're from God by the miracles that you're doing, godly teacher. We know what the old scrolls say. We know what the prophets say. We know that you are the Messiah. Now, he didn't say those words, but he told all the evidence around that word. We know that you're the Messiah because we've been talking about it. Trust me, we checked your resume. Trust me, we went out and seen, did you come from Nazareth? Did you, were you born in Bethlehem? Our secular history says that Herod killed all those babies because they were looking for you. Our history says, our local, 30 years ago, now do y'all remember anything that happened 30 years ago? Anybody? How about 20 years ago? September 11. Do we remember it? It's so just hard for me to look at. It bothers me deep down that people would do that to other people, but we're all sinners. We go back and look, and we said that was a terrible moment, and people who were not there or didn't see it or didn't watch on TV, young people don't even know what it is. If you're, if you're um, under 20, it's just something they tell us in our textbook, and most of the public schools aren't telling it in the textbook. It's part of our curriculum. We talk about how horrendous, how 3,000-plus people died. We talk about that in the news. We talk about it all over. It kind of brings us together. Do you think when Herod went out slaughtering babies two years and under, that everybody in the region knew about it? If you don't, you don't know how news spreads, right? So they knew this stuff. They knew that he was the Messiah, but they wanted the Messiah who would be a conquering king. They wanted the Messiah who would ride the steed in the town, not the donkey in the town. They wanted to conquer Rome and kick them out and take over everything in the whole world, much like the United States we do sometimes, right? Now China's wanting to do it. Everybody that gets in authority or gets some money and power they won't control. Mankind will do it. You ever been in a Baptist church at a business meeting? Small churches, we don't do it here. And everybody wants to talk about the money and give nothing. Someone told me one time, they said, Pastor, I think the budget's too large. 
I don't know if anybody gives, but I happen to ask our financial man. And then back then, it was, now it's Derek, but it was George back then. George, amen. So George, this person give a regular on a regular basis? He said, Pastor, I'll be honest with you. And I, and I started, if you received one, I started it. I said, everybody who doesn't give $1 to this church that's a member, send them a contribution statement that says, thank you for your gift of nothing to the Lord's work. So if you get a if you got a receipt from us that says you gave zero to the Lord's work, shame on you. Amen? Come on, that should be a big amen across. Uh, everybody's giving, say amen. Everybody's not giving, you're going to say, oh, no, I, well, I do it other ways. No, your tithing, what you give to the Lord is a free gift to the Lord. If you've ever received one of those, congratulations or thank you for giving zero to the Lord's work. I was hoping that would bring so much shame and conviction to you, not that I can shame you, because I don't care. I don't know who gets those or not, who doesn't. But this person, specifically, I asked and said, are they giving? He says, never one time. And so I talked to the person. I said, um, hey, listen, you want to know about budget? You want to control the budget? Think it's too large? You, do you know what it takes to run this place? Well, yeah, we need, to, we need to itemize. It happens every time the budget comes. We need to itemize and think through it. I smiled and said, what do you think we do? What does Derek do all year long? What, what did George used to do? What, what do you think we do? Somebody asked about our slush fund. I said, we don't even have a slushy fund, right? It doesn't exist. We do the Lord's work with the resources God gives. But this person wanted to control the budget and gave nothing. And what do you think I would say to that person? I asked him, what do you give to the Lord's work? Well, uh, I don't want to say about what I give. Uh, let me change the conversation, aren't you? I already know what you give. You give nothing to the Lord's work. Because you brought this up, and I went and asked because you brought it up. Well, I give cash. I said, no, there's not enough cash on Sunday morning. Is there enough cash, Derek, for anybody to give a large gift? Cash doesn't exist hardly anymore. Oh, well, I give online. Well, that's easy. Online goes into the same pool. I ask Arlene, it goes into the same thing. You can account for it same way. The person was lying and wanted to control the resources of the church. They wanted to be religious and tell everybody else what to do but they themselves didn't want to obey God. That's what Nicodemus and the Sanhedrin was doing, saying, we know all the facts. We know everything. We know that the scripture says you dotted every I across every T about the prophecies. You're teaching truth. You're doing miraculous signs. And lo and behold, you're not who we really want. Can you send another one? Isn't that something like us today? Yeah, we want, we want something extra. What, I, want, I want the, what, what's behind the curtain? Uh, What's that game when you play? Do you want the curtain number one or two or three? You want to take this home. What do people do? Dress like a unicorn wanting door number two. <clears throat> I saw people when Wendy was flipping, people dressed like animals yesterday at the Georgia game. Like dogs. And they won't set foot in the house of God. Too many hypocrites. Too many crazy people there. They're worshiping the Georgia Bulldogs and a majority of them don't have never attended university, let alone the University of Georgia. I'm a dogs fan. I'm a Tiger fan. I paint myself up. And they've never even set foot on campus. It blows my mind. Just for the record. Back to the word. Let's get into this. Nicodemus is going to come. Listen, he's going to ask the silly, another silly question. Verse 4. How can a man be born when he's old? Now the transition. Jesus has told him he must be born again. Nicodemus now is concerned. I don't know how to do that. How, do I, how am I born again? I can't go back into my mother's womb. I've asked a question. He's concerned now. I think it changed. His demeanor changed. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot 
enter the kingdom of God. First you couldn't see it, now you can't, even, you can't enter it. Hey friends, listen to me. I don't know who's saved, who's truly born again. But let me just tell you what Jesus said. The, the Messiah, the Savior of the world said, if you're not born again, you're not going to heaven. If you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell forever. Spend the Saturday morning thinking about hell. What's worse is thinking about a loved one who's there already. They're never, ever, ever getting out. You say, well, that depresses me. It should. It should bring you to the point of humbling yourself before God, saying, oh, God, oh, God, don't let another person I know, my enemies, don't let my enemies go there. Don't let my children go there. Don't let my aunts, my uncles, those people I don't like, don't let my coworkers go there, Lord, because that's a real place. Jesus said, if you, listen, if you're not born again, born from above, you're not going to see it or enter the kingdom of heaven. The words of Christ. Verse 6, he says, that which is born of the flesh is what? Everybody do it like this, just real quick. <clears throat> just touch your skin. Flesh is flesh. Your mama gave birth to you. That's why you're here, right? Whoever your biological mother is, that's why you're sitting here today or standing. Because your mama gave birth to you. We all understand that. We can go over to Aiken Hospital and see. Well, we can't go anymore, but you can, you can know there's babies being born today, right? Mamas, fleshly mothers, give birth to fleshly babies. And no young people, no matter what TikTok says or any fool says, a man cannot give birth to a baby. How foolish has our society gotten? And our children are getting sucked in day by day. And parents, you're responsible because you're paying that $80 to $100 a month to kill your children and send them away from the kingdom of God instead of to the kingdom of God. It should be the word of God in your house. Not all this other secular junk. I saw the teenager smile when I said that because there's fools that are going around saying that a certain person can be pregnant and it's a male. There's a word for that and I can't say it from the pulpit. It bothers me because I talk about this on a regular basis and I know you get sick of hearing it because I get sick of saying it. But still, no, no, it doesn't matter what. At our school, we're having children who's got smartwatches and they think they're beating the system. We know it takes a phone to generate that watch. They're not beating the system, but the parents are buying the smartwatch to beat the rule of the school that you can't have your phone on in school so that their kid can get filth over and over, pornography over and over again and be trashed out over and over again and laugh about it. Our kids have no conscience in this society today. Listen, young people, I'm telling you, listen, God's word says, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Watch what he says. He's going to go on and let me quickly read through this. Nicodemus answered, verse 9. Now it's getting serious. How can these things be? How? How? I don't understand this. How can I be born again? Mama gave birth to me. I got that. How does the Spirit of God, how does God's Holy Spirit make me born again? He says, Jesus answered, verse 10, and, I, and Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of, the Jew, of this race, of the Jews, of Israel? And do you not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak that which we know. Who's the we here, by the way? It's just Jesus talking. It's the same great I am that spoke in Genesis 1:26 when they said, Let us make man in our image. God the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's the testimony of which we have here. This is the triune God speaking to us today. We speak of what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Capital O in your Bible, if you have a New King James Bible. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, 
How will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And the answer is you won't believe. Jesus says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That's why we sing, we wish you a Merry Christmas, because he came down from heaven. Who came down from heaven, church? The Lord Jesus Christ. He came down from heaven. By the way, check your teenagers, see if they're on the phone now. I see a lot of smiling faces. That not, you don't laugh about this stuff. This is serious stuff that's going to send you eternity to hell. So if you look at anything that's making you laugh today, listen, I want to tell you, you're looking at something different than these words. I want to challenge your parents, smack your child in church. Just go ahead and lift up a good holy smack and take that phone and throw it in our pond. I receive it in your pond in Jesus' name. Amen? Throw the phone in the pond. He said, Pastor, it costs us so much money. We owe Verizon another $1,000. Suck it up and pay Verizon $1,000. Throw the trash in the pond and save your child from hell. Save your child from hell. Jesus says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus tells a child's story. We teach this in Sunday school with the little kids. We teach them that Jesus, that, that Moses made this serpent because the people are disobeying God. Have you read it before? Numbers 21. I'll, I'll quickly go through your notes and let you see it. Just like Moses did, he told him a Sunday school lesson saying, Nicodemus, don't you know these things? Let me go back and tell you something we teach first graders. You learned this in first grade, Nicodemus. And lo and behold, you don't know this stuff. And did Nicodemus know, church? Did Nicodemus know the story of Moses and making a bronze servant, put it up on the pole? Did he know the story? Yes, he knew the story. Do many people in the church today know this story? Yes, we know this story. Are we obeying what God says that we must be born again? Well, preacher, you don't understand. My daddy hurt me. My mama hurt me. My grandma died. I, here's the deal. We all have problems. But there's only one way for all of us to get to heaven. To the kingdom, whether it be the millennial here, for us to be saved, or if it's heaven. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ, what we sang about. Oh, the blood of Christ. It was hard to preach when you got it behind that, but let me keep going so we can get out of here today. But I want you to take this with you. This is still Jesus talking to Nicodemus. He says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know this to be true. If you don't have everlasting life, what do you have? We would say it would be everlasting death. But let me correct that just a little bit. It would be everlasting life in hell. You're going to get your new body, and it will never finish burning. You're going to be in torment for eternity with a brand new body. You'll get the new body. But it, it'll be, listen, it'll be in hell, and I believe the fires of hell are holy. It's God's judgment. You didn't choose Jesus, then this is the way you can have it for all eternity. You say, well, that's not fair. Is God a just God? Yes, he is. Do you hear my voice today? Do you hear me say that you must be born again? Yes, you do. Everybody that's watching by Facebook or YouTube, they hear me say you must be born again. Not me say, but Christ himself say you must be born again. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world Jesus is not trying to condemn you. He says it. This is his words. But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Praise God, I am not condemned. I stand here today before you, not a condemned man. I've been set free. I'm not perfect. No perfection here. But I stand under the blood of Christ, not condemned. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed 
and the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And this is the condemnation that light, that's the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because of their deeds or evil. Leave, leave yourself alone. Leave your child alone. Let them have spend the nights. I'm telling you, they'll get into sin. They'll get into death. They'll get into, you name it, you know it because you're adults. You've been through some of this yourself. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Hates, not, can't tolerate it. Hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. What happens if you go down to the local bar and flip all the lights on? It's like roaches. Everybody wants to get away. I mean, you know, give me another drink till tomorrow. We love our evil more than we love the light. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. To your notes real quick. Let me give you the fill in the blanks and we'll, we'll get out of here today. Because this is something you know. I'm preaching to you and you've heard this a thousand times or you've at least known about it. If you've ever seen any kind of Merry Christmas, you know Jesus came. If you've seen any Easter celebration, you know that he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. You've heard it somewhere. Nicodemus had heard it. Nicodemus was confronted that we can't help but say you're the Messiah, but we don't want you as our Messiah. We want a conquering king. We want that, that, some of that prophecy. We want you to rule here and now, kick Rome out of our territory. Let us be your servants. We'll serve you good, but you've got to help us just beat back Rome and anybody else that comes against us. They were thinking it was here on earth. They weren't thinking about the millennial kingdom, the, the kingdom to come. They thought it was here and now. They wanted fame and fortune, what people were after today in the church and outside the church. Here's your notes. Listen, salvation, eternal life, living holy like words that we use only when we attend church. One of the dangers of hearing the truth is in our minds and hearts can grow weary in hearing. How many times have you heard a preacher preach about John 3 or John 3.16? Raise your hand if you've heard it more than 10 times. More than a hundred times. More than a thousand times. You've been in, some of you have been in church for a long time. We've heard the gospel. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. You're deceiving yourself. That person in the mirror is deceived, thinking you're doing right when you're doing wrong. In our scripture today, we see Jesus encountered one of the most powerful men of his time. It was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. Nicodemus visited with Jesus at night and confessed that he and the Sanhedrin knew Jesus was from God because of the signs and the miracles Jesus was doing. They checked his resume. They checked where he was from. They talked to people. Hey, and you'll see later, they'll come up and say, when we meet Jesus, wasn't you blind? He says, yeah, I was blind. This dude just, he healed me. What's his name? I don't know. He didn't tell me. He's, he's missing somewhere. And then he shows back up and said, that's the man. And they're like, tell us again what happened. He said, I was blind, but now I see. Not only did he see with his physical eyes, he saw with his spiritual eyes. Because, I mean, when you'll see, I don't want to jump ahead, but even though I can't help it because we're talking about Jesus. I want to tell you everything that he did. I want to tell you about my Savior, how good he is. I want to invite you to be with him because living with him, listen, makes life sweet. Without him, there's no hope. There's no joy. It's just living. Let's go. Jesus replied to Nicodemus, with a simple declaration, you must be born from above. You must be born again. Jesus was referring to God's plan of salvation for kingdom people. To be saved, all people must be spiritually transformed, renewed, and sanctified. There is evidence. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 aren't in there. If you've taken notes, but there's evidence, fruit of the Spirit, that you've been saved. 
If you talk nasty constantly, you're complaining nasty, you're always down in the mouth with something. Listen, I doubt if you've been saved, you say, well, that's how everybody is where I'm from. Change the way you are. Change your name. Call, tell everybody you're a Muslim if you're constantly complaining. Tell them you're Jehovah's Witness. Kingdom Hall. Tell them you're something different. Don't tell them you're a Christ follower. Don't bring his name down. If you're not lifting his name up and his people up, tell them you're something different. People today are making different Christianities, right? They will say, we believe this. Kingdom theology means theology of the kingdom. Some people have taken it now and made it something new. And there's all kind of branches because people want, to, want you to see me. Don't see Jesus. And if I ever get in the way of Christ, I ask he takes me out of the way, church. I really mean that. You can read the scriptures I gave there for you. Like many of us, Nicodemus resisted the exclusive message of, Je of salvation Jesus preached. Our message is there is but one way to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me is what Jesus said. We have a very exclusive message which excludes everyone else's religion. When I was a young man trying to figure it out, when the Holy Spirit was working in my heart, I said this in my head. Everybody could be wrong, right? Because some people say kill other people, kill infidels. Some people say you got to crawl on your knees, you got to give gifts. There was all these religions saying do this, do that, do this. And I heard a preacher preach that says, listen, Jesus said it's done. There's nothing to do. It is finished on the cross. When he said it's done, it's finished. He meant it's forever. That he took on the sins of the world, and all you have to do is receive the free gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. All he says to you is receive that free gift. I will make you born again. I will make you born from above. I will make you new day by day. I'll take you where you want to be, where I want you to be. And the place wherever Christ takes you is the place you want to be. Amen? Jesus shared an elementary Bible history lesson with Nicodemus. One even a Jewish child would have known. What was it? I put it in there for you. Numbers, if you don't know it, you say, I've never heard of that bronze serpent. Go look at Numbers 21. I don't have time to go before there for you. Go read it. The people were complaining. The Lord said, okay, y'all want to complain? Here come some snakes. And snakes were just tearing people up, killing them. And he said, Moses, I'll tell you quickly, put, make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole. Anyone who turns and looks at the pole, live. You say, well, that sounds too simple. Just turning and looking at the snake. Who said to do that? God did. And what has he done today? Hey, it's simple this. You want to be saved today? You want to be born again? Just simply turn and look at the, not a pole, but look at the cross. It's empty. He died on the cross. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again. We can look to the cross today and know that what he said was true that I can be born again and I can stand before you as your pastor telling you, you can be born again if the Holy Spirit speaks to your voice. Turn and look to Jesus. He's no longer on the cross. He lives forevermore. Like many of us, Nicodemus resisted. He resisted the exclusive message of salvation. Surely God has other ways for me to get to heaven. You and Shirley are wrong, just for the record, okay? Just want you to know there's only but one way to get to heaven. Jesus provided clarity to Nicodemus and all of humanity concerning his unfailing love. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came that we might be saved because God's nature, we learned a couple weeks ago, is what? Simply, what's his nature, church? L-O-V-E, it's love. His nature is love. For God so loved the world. He loved us when we were in our sins. Christ came to us first, Romans 5.8 says. We didn't go seeking for him. All the churches said they have secret-sensitive churches. It's just a bunch of people getting together. Come together and eat together, having fun together. No one seeks after God. No, not one, the Bible says. There is no such thing as a seeker-sensitive church. We want to love you. We want to invite you in, but I want, you might never come back today. 
I want to tell you, you can go to heaven if you're born again, but if you don't, you're going to hell. Can I get that in before you leave today? Because I don't want you to stand before God and say, God, I never knew. He's going to say, you remember that time in September when you went to Town Creek Baptist Church? That crazy preacher stood up too long, too loud, breathing heavily, overweight, but he said, you must be born again. That was the day I was trying to speak to your heart. That was the day I was trying to save your sorry self. Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity, and he's going to cast you into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone and fire forever where the worm never dies. That is a horrible story, but that is the truth from the word of God. Amen? It's truth. Oh, church, this is a hard story. This is hard to preach. Nicodemus came to Jesus when he, it was physically dark outside, but Nicodemus also came to Jesus when he was spiritually dark inside. Some of you walking around with the title of Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, whatever your, whatever your stripe is, oh, I'm a non-denom. Who cares? Whatever your denomination is, if you're walking around and it's spiritually dark in your heart, you're not going to heaven. So Nicodemus snuck in at night, but it didn't change his heart because he was illuminated by the light of the world who is Jesus Christ. But what goes further today for us, because we're behind the cross now, he says, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father which is in heaven. He tells us we're salt and we're light to the world. That's Matthew. Chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. Read it. It's, it's powerful stuff that Jesus says. Finally, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus says, just as Jesus offered salvation to Nicodemus, he offers the same salvation to whomever will believe upon him as Savior and Lord. Here's the questions. Listen, two minutes. I don't want to finish. I want you to take this with you today. Don't get overdone. How about you? Nicodemus was self-condemned, was he not? Last note, he said, hey, we know that you're from God. Some of y'all walk in and say, I can quote the Bible like that. I know the King James 1611, which you don't. No one knows that. I tried to read it at a conference one time. And I'm like, what translation is this? Moms, are you leading your kids like Christ tells you to live? Or is the whole world so busy? I'm so busy, Pastor. You don't understand. I do understand. I pray that God takes your busyness away. If it's your job, I pray he takes your job away. If it's your house or lawn, how many of us want better grass than we have spiritual life? How many of us want a shinier car? We want stuff more than we want Christ. And I challenge you, if any of that stuff's in the way, I pray that God gets that stuff out of your way. Whatever it is, name it. Even if it's relationships, get them out of the way that he might shine through in your life. Do you love the world more than the greatness of the kingdom with King Jesus? I know I'm reading these, but this is stuff God put on my face. Are you living daily like Jesus is king? Are you? Finally, what do you need to change today? Get right with God. We all are making adjustments. We're all being sanctified, set apart. And the Lord come on to you and say, listen, take that away. Let's get that out of your life because that is a hindrance. Take it away. Don't want you to have that anymore. You say, but Lord, I've had that for 20 years. That's right. Today it goes away. It could be a ministry. We've been doing the same ministry forever today. But God says, hey, take that one away. That one's dead. Do we change? Do we change for the sake of changing? No. We change when God says to change. Let me challenge you today. Listen. What's he saying to you? Do you need to be born again? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? If you don't know that you're saved, you don't have a full confidence that Jesus saved your soul I would say you're not saved. There's no way I'd walk out those doors or after church I'll sit around and talk with you. There's no way I would leave a place that speaks the truth and that's God's truth, not me, knowing, not knowing that I'm saved.
God forbid that you leave. Any of our children, teenagers, anybody in the back, anyone that's listening, that today they wouldn't make it right with God. But if you do know, have you followed through believer's baptism? Are you being obedient to him? Are you doing what he says to do the way he says to do it? If not, there's things he wants to change in your life. We'll keep getting to those as we talk about meeting Jesus. Because every time we get close to Jesus, what do demons do when they get close to Jesus in the Bible? <coughs> Have you come to destroy us already? Every demon that got close to Christ bowed down. And what happens whenever you're leading a sinful life? And you hear a message like this, and you must be born again, you hear a message to get rid of some trash in your life, either you're going to get mad and bitter, or you're going to get glad and better. Got it? And you don't get any butter, as I said before. You're going to get mad, walk out of here and say, I ain't never come to that church again. We've had people curse as they leave church because they're mad at me. I try my best to say the word of God. Amen? Sometimes I offend, I know. If I offend you, I'm sorry. But if God's word offends you, you'll never forget it because he's going to keep bringing it back to your remembrance. Say it with me. You can get mad and bitter. You can get glad and better. Make a choice what you're going to do today because you're going to do one or the other. It's going to either offend you or draw you to the cross. Hey, Lord, I'm so in it, and that gladness is joy. Or you can walk out like this. I just said the words of Christ today. I don't know everything. Neither do you. But you can know what he knows, and you can know what I know because he spoke it clearly in our language. He's a good, good Father. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today that we can take your word, Lord, even when it's hard. This stuff is heavy lifted for us. stresses us out sometimes because we're humans, especially us in America, living, as we say, we're Pauline, South Carolina, high on the hog sometimes. Lord, we have food when we want food. We go to any restaurant we want to go to most of the time and order a number one without even saying chicken, pig, or cow. Lord, some, most people in this room never even seen an animal slaughter. We wouldn't even know how to live like the Israelites lived back in the day. You've convenienced so much, Lord. You've given us wisdom to make computers and all these things that take care of stuff. And Lord, we like the stuff more than we love you, our Creator, our Savior, our Sustainer. Let us turn and look and see where all the good gifts come from. And the Bible tells us every good gift comes from the Father above. Amen. Today, publicly, before the whole church, I can't speak on their whole behalf, but Lord, as we as the people of Christ who love you, we say this, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, I pray for those people that's going to leave here today, mad and bitter, but Lord, you'd make them glad and better because they met Jesus in their life. Help them, Lord, because they need you. I remember those days of hearing preaching going, get this over with so we can go to lunch. Father, help them come to Christ so that we might bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray for His sake.